months. This would be Paul. He was reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and they did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and he withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. Amen. All who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord. What an incredible revival that took place there uh, in that in that space of time of two years uh, as all of Asia. Now, Asia, speaking of Asia Minor, what would be modern day Turkey, um, uh, that's that area there is is what was considered Asia. Uh, so all of Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. It didn't matter if you were Jew or if you were Greek. They knew about Jesus Christ. Amen. You can be seated here today. As I mentioned, it is uh, a, a I count it an honor to be part of the United Pentecostal Church. And uh, with that, this is, um, if you don't know what that is, I, I, am, uh, I am licensed as a, as a minister by the United Pentecostal Church. I am thankful for the leadership that uh, they, they would guide uh, us as a, uh, or guide me as a minister of the gospel, that uh, as myself, I uh, would submit myself to their leadership, to the leadership um, and uh, I am very thankful to be part of an organization that together we are trying to reach this world. And uh, I play just a small part in that. I'm very uh, found it would call it a privilege to play a very small part in that as the youth president of the state of Indiana. And during this past week, uh, it was an honor to be able to come together with 58. Uh, other individuals, youth presidents uh, around North America that uh, we gathered, gathered into a room on this past Tuesday uh, because it was our duty to disperse the funds or to allocate $8.7 million dollars uh, that was raised by the youth department uh, over just over this past year across North America, $8.7 million dollars uh, that was raised. Amen. Incredible, incredible to see uh, these numbers that would come in right here, uh, right here in Indiana. Uh, what what we raised uh, was three hundred and seventeen thousand uh, dollars as as a district. Uh, I believe the sixth largest giving district in the in the uh, North America. And our church played a little part in that as well, gave $3,000 towards this. And I, I just find it a privilege to be able to meet together and then disperse those funds because it was with, in that meeting that we got to hear uh, about things that are taking place around the world in order for the gospel to be reached in remote locations. We were able to give to uh, to global missionaries and purchase, uh, or at least give, allocate money for the purchases of 21 vehicles that missionaries will be able to use uh, in, in being able to go into remote parts of the world or even, even cities across the world so that they can bring this gospel message to people who have never heard about Jesus. Uh, we even 
Uh, we even purchased uh, four horses that we'll go into. In fact, one of the missionaries that we support as a church uh, in the country where he is at, uh, they have remote locations that cannot be reached by vehicle, uh, cannot be even reached uh, really by bicycle, and so we purchased some horses and even gave them the funds for the care of those horses for this upcoming year. And uh, and I, I I find it such an honor to be able to say, well, we're doing something to get this gospel all over the world. I'm thankful for that. In uh, part of our allocations, we were able to uh, to do something that has never been done before in uh, over the past uh, over the past three year, past two years, uh, we as a youth department have given uh, money to global missions that has allowed them to unlock a few nations and this year we gave enough funds for them to be able to unlock three nations that do not have an apostolic presence in them that we know of uh, so that we can have missionaries that they now have funding to be able to enter in. And some of these, at least one of these, is an access challenge nation that they are not allowed to be in there. We can't say where it is that they're going. Uh, two of those nations are uh, are not access challenge, but they are uh, new nations that we are going into that do not have an apostolic presence. And so uh, they do not know about the saving name of Jesus Christ. And so we uh, gave funds to be able to give these missionaries the ability to go into these nations and unlock them. Because it is our commission as the church to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Amen. It's not just about nations that uh, have physical boundaries, but it's about people groups. It's about ethnicities. And this year, part of the the goal of Global Missions is to reach into unreached people groups, uh, individuals. And, and we gave funds. Uh, I was able to allocate funds uh, towards the, Kurd- the Kurds, the people there in northern Afghanistan who they don't have a nation in themselves, but they also do not have an apostolic witness amongst them. And so we were able to give $30,000 to the efforts of being able to reach into the Kurdish people who are there so that they can hear about Jesus Christ. And this, this gets me excited when I think about uh, the little part that we can play here at New Life and just giving so that the gospel can go all over the world. It's not just global missions that we were giving to, it's also right here in North America. And uh, we were able to give uh, nearly $1 million. It was, I believe, 904000 some dollars in, uh, in grant money that we were giving to church planters right here in North America so that they can uh, purchase properties or so that they can build their build buildings uh, so that they can have a church in an unreached location right here in North America. Just as important as globally us reaching the world. And, and I'm just thankful for what is taking place in this day, in this hour, in God's church, amen, in the church, and what is happening so that we can reach the world with the saving message about uh, Jesus Christ and baptism in his name. And there's, it, it got me excited just even hearing the stories of the revival that is taking place on a global basis. Very close friends, uh, back 
uh, my, our, our youth secretary here in the district, uh, Jesse Arthur, pastors of church in Richmond, Indiana, and our uh, promotions director, who I've worked very closely, uh, Brother Riley Martin, uh, the two of them, uh, and, and just a, a few small, or, uh, small group of men, I believe it was five of them, uh, this past week had gone down to Oaxaca, Mexico, and uh, their church, the church that uh, that Brother Riley Martin attends in Fishers, uh, I'm sorry, Muncie, uh, Indiana, they uh, have a lady who had moved there to Muncie from Oaxaca, Mexico, and uh, she had just stayed in touch over these last two years with a few people who were there in Oaxaca, and uh, they had started some Zoom Bible studies, and they had nine people in these Zoom Bible studies that they were doing on a weekly basis. And so these five young men, all of them younger than myself, they went down, all of them under 30 years old, uh, went down to Mexico for a week, and they wanted to go down and meet these nine individuals there in Oaxaca, Mexico. And uh, they they went there and began to just just do some prayer walks throughout the week, and they would begin to walk the region, and and they were were, were just praying and and just getting ready because on Friday night they were going to have a service, and and they were their goal was to launch a church there in Oaxaca, Mexico, so that uh, so that they could. Uh, not just have Zoom Bible studies, but so that they could raise up leaders that are there that could have a church. And so as they began to just pray, said it was, it was a lot of walking and they didn't really know exactly what effect it was going to have. But by Friday, service time came and they had over 100 people that had gathered there in that, in that service. And just an outdoor service, uh, there under a, under a tent or under a, under a structure. And in that service, there was one individual who he came in and, and he said, I was talking to, uh, Brother Arthur, to Jesse Arthur, and he, he was telling me about this one man who was there and, and he, uh, they had an interpreter that was telling him what he was saying and, and he didn't have any shoes on, looked pretty ragged, uh, but he said, I came nine hours. He said, I have no idea how this man heard about this service that was taking place. But he said, I traveled nine hours to be here today. I got on a bus. I'm a Lutheran pastor, but I have been seeking out the Holy Ghost that I read about in, in my Bible. And so he came. He heard about a spirit-filled group of believers who were going to be gathering. And so he got onto a bus and he came. He said, I arrived here late last night. When I arrived, I didn't have anywhere to stay. And so I was just sleeping out on the street and I got mugged. They stole everything except while they were, uh, while they were mugging me, I had presence of mind to at least put my phone into my underwear. And so I was able to save that, but they took my shoes. They took everything, all my money, but I'm here in Jesus name. And I want to hear about what this Holy Ghost is all about. And so by the time that service had finished, this Lutheran pastor who had driven nine or gone, gotten on a bus nine, and taken nine hours to get there had been baptized in Jesus name. And when he came up out of the waters, he was speaking in other tongues. And he said he shot up out of that water and he began to run around that room and he just began to just tell, take people and tell them, you got to experience this. He said, there is nothing like what I am feeling right now. He said, 
He said he even went outside that, that structure where they were at, and there was just some man, just some random guy that was walking by. And this, this pastor, he went out, and he just grabbed this guy, and he began to pull him, pull him in there. And this guy, he said, was kind of fighting against him. He was like, what is this crazy man who's pulling in? And he said, you cannot leave until you hear about what is taking place right here. And my friend, he said, he, said he turned to the others that were there. He said, we intervened. And he, they said, well, I, this man's crazy. I'm not, I'm not intervening with him. And that man ended up coming in and he ended up praying at the altar. He wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost yet, but he got a touch from God. And I'm telling you what God is doing right now in this day, in this hour, he is raising up a people who are passionate about the lost a people who are passionate about seeing the lost saved. This day and this hour that we live in right now is the greatest hour of the church. This is the greatest hour of the church. Now, where we are living right now, it's amazing that uh, when growing up from myself, I just remember hearing about incredible revivals, and there there were incredible revivals, and and I even remember myself being part of just just lingering the presence of God in a in a way that uh, that just sticks in my memory like never before but but even when i when i hear today about the outpouring of the holy ghost it, it month after month i was talking to uh was able to uh sit down and talk to brother robinette who is a uh, missionary now he's, he's evangelist that uh, just evangelizes all over the world and i was talking with him uh in the hotel one night this past week and he was telling me about some of these crusades that he go, he's, goes on and, and, uh, they just had one down in Brazil where they had a hundred, over a hundred thousand people who had gathered there and they had, uh, they had, it was, it was over five thousand people who had received the gift of the Holy Ghost in one service. And this is happening over and over and over and over. And these, these times of, he called them, this is a day of Pentecost events. When you have three thousand people who are added to the church in one day, that's a day of Pentecost events. And they're happening over and over and over we're seeing these incredible moves of God that are taking place it's not just happening on a global scale but this is happening right here in North America as well that we are seeing churches that are uh, we're seeing churches that are just having the favor of God they're seeing uh, multiplied revival just just uh, take place in their in their city and entire uh, entire cities that are just being completely changed because of a move of God that is taking place in God's church. It is amazing the day that we are living in right now. I believe that we are living out what Jesus called the church to do. It's in Mark chapter 16 that he said, Go into all the worlds and preach the gospel to every creature. That he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. And in my name will they cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. He sat on the right hand of God and then they went 
And they preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. He signs off. Amen. This is the Great Commission. This was not just a commission to the twelve. This was not just a commission to those who were there when Jesus Christ uh, ascended up into heaven. This is the commission for the church today. This is the same commission for New Life Apostolic Church. This is the same commission, not for just the ministers at New Life Apostolic Church, but for everyone in New Life Apostolic Church. Go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And this is my title today. Win your worlds. Win your worlds. That is what we are called to do. We are called to win our worlds. As I said, it was on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 that we see in verse 41 that on that day there were 3,000 souls that were added to the church. 3,000 people who were added to the church in one day. That's an incredible start to God's church. This is after 120 were gathered together and they'd been praying for 10 days in the upper room. And then the Holy Ghost swept into the house. They were there. And as they began to pray, the Holy Ghost moved in. And then they began to spill out of the house or out of the upper room. And there were others who were gathered in. And 3,000 people, their lives were changed on that very day. It went from there. It didn't stop just at 3,000. But if you go down just a few verses to verse 46... It says, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They were praising God. They are having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. He continually was adding to the church. That there was a spread of Christianity that was happening from the early days. That it didn't just stop with 120. It didn't just stop with 3,000. But he added to the church Daily. Acts chapter 5, verse 14. The believers were increasingly added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women. So that they brought the sick out into the streets. They laid them on the beds and the couches. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. These are the signs and the wonders that accompanied the church in its early days. So there was addition that was taking place in the church. It was Continuing to grow. But it didn't just stop at addition. For in Acts chapter 6 verse 7 it says that the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Now it's not addition. It's multiplication. They've gone from just adding to the church. To now the church multiplying. And if you understand mathematics. Multiplication is going to get you to a greater number. A whole lot faster than addition. That multiplication is now happening within the church and it is continuing to grow. Acts chapter 9 verse 31 that the churches throughout all of Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. They were edified. They were walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They were multiplied. Multiplication is part of the identity of the apostolic church. Multiplication is part of God's church. 
That's the increase of souls. That the increase of people coming into the body of Christ is part of the identity of who we are. In its early centuries, Christianity achieved a phenomenal growth rate. It's estimated that from what started off at 120, and then as we read, 3,000, and then it was adding to daily, and it was multiplying, that by the time you get about 300 years out, there were already 30 million people who identified themselves as Christians. 30 million people. The rate of growth for something to start with just 120 people. To reach 30 million people. Now today, there are over 2 billion individuals in the world who would call themselves Christian. And I know that Christian, you can have all stripes and a whole bunch of different people who might call themselves Christian, but there are two billion people who do follow Jesus Christ. Two billion people. It is amazing to see the effect that Jesus had on the world and that the church has had on the world. Within that two billion people, as I said, there are many different stripes, many different people who would call themselves and identify themselves as Christians. But right now, the fastest growing group within Christianity is the Pentecostal church. In 1900, this was really the the, the influx of the Pentecostal movement, the, the modern day, the, the latter rain movement of what is taking place now. 1900, the Azusa Street Revival took place, and, and you have, uh, it wasn't necessarily the start. There's always been people throughout history who they've, they've been spirit-filled. They've, they've, um, they've obeyed the gospel. They've, they've had an experience uh, that is uh, the same experience that the disciples had and the apostles had. But in 1900, we see a wave of things, not just in Azusa, but also in Wales and, and across the world. We see uh, the Holy Ghost being poured out in numbers like it had not ever been seen before. And, and in that day, from 1900 until now, there are over 650 million people who would call themselves uh, Pentecostals. This is uh, 25 to 30% of global Christianity is now identify, identifies themselves as Pentecostal. There was, uh, and I'm referencing this from an article that, uh, that I don't remember, brother, I think Brother Weber uh, spoke of on Friday night of General Conference that uh, there was an article that Ed Stetzer wrote. He was, uh, he is a, a famous Baptist uh, who um, studies at Oxford and, and writes on church growth or church, uh, just where the church is at. And, and he wrote this uh, article just in the month of June of this year about why is it that the Pentecostals are continuing to grow when everybody else is declining or flatlining? Why is it? What is it about the Pentecostals that they are seeing a tremendous rate of growth that is still taking place today? And he said, they would tell you that it's because of the Spirit, the Spirit that is leading them, and they're not wrong. They would 
tell them that the Spirit is moving and that the Spirit of God is going before them and that they are in tune with the Spirit of God in a way that others in Christianity are not. He said, this is how they would tell you. And he said, I myself, if you read the whole article, he says, I really can't disagree with that assessment. And in fact, we other denominations need to learn something from them about this whole spirit thing because there's got to be something about it if there is this much, this much positive that's coming from what God is doing in them. He continued on and is talking about the fact that as Pentecostals, the reason that there is a rate of growth is because there is within us an inherent missional mindset. That there is a mission. And this really could cover evangelicalism or evangelicals as a whole, but Pentecostals in particular, there is a missional mindset that they have. And we as a church must not let go of our missional mindset. What is our mission? Our mission is the co-mission. And the co-mission is to reach into all the world and to preach the gospel to every creature. Now, we as a church are co-missioned to do this. We do this together, co. We together are in a co-mission to reach the lost, but it's not just us that are co-missioning this, but we are in a co-mission with God himself. And that it's not just by our power or our might that we are doing this mission, but as a co-mission with him, we can reach the lost. We can do it. You can reach your world. You can reach your world. Now, your world may not look like the hut that is constructed there in Ethiopia that somebody has to go miles and miles to reach this remote village. Your world may look like an office cubicle or your world may look like a neighborhood. Your world may look like a gym where you work out, your world may look like a coffee shop that you sit down at and have a little bit of morning coffee on a Saturday. Your world may look like a, a, a group of friends who you, uh, who you went to high school with and you still get together. Your world may look like, uh, the, the person that you sit next to at the lunch table, your world may look like a high school, your world, come on, your world is your world and nobody in here is living your world. You may have, you may have within your households some mixing of, of what your world is, but you even, even in your household, you have your worlds, the people that you are rubbing shoulders with, and God has called you to reach your worlds. God is commissioning you to reach your worlds. It's in Ephesians chapter four that we see, uh, the fivefold ministry that is, uh, given to the church as a gift. And it says, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why was the fivefold ministry given? It was given for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Get that. That the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. 
that they, this gift, was given to the church to equip the saints, all of us, so that we can do ministry. The purpose is not for the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to do the ministry so that the saints can be ministered to. But it's so that the saints can minister. It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry. That is the purpose of the church. That is how God... Now, now we could get angry or we could get, a, get upset about... Well, really, we have that expectation uh, upon all of us. Well, this is the way God set it up. And since God set it up this way, we've seen the results of when the church taps in to allowing or to, to doing this, the very thing. We opened up our text, uh, our, our text uh, as we opened up was in Acts 19. And it said that for two years, Paul went to the house of Tyrannus. For two years, he sat down and began to equip the saints. For two years, he had them coming in. And do you think that Paul himself was able to reach all of Asia so that everybody heard the gospel? Paul was busy equipping the saints there in the house of Tyrannus. It wasn't Paul who reached Asia. It was the saints who reached Asia. It wasn't Paul that was the one that was going and starting out all these churches and, and spreading the gospel. It was him equipping the saints to go out. Let's go. We need to reach the lost. Let's go. They need to hear about Jesus. It doesn't matter who they are. Let's go. We need, to, we need to make sure that everybody hears about Jesus Christ. Oh, they, they want to kick you out of the city. They want, to, they want to not hear this. Okay, move up. Dust your feet off. Move on to the next one. They need to hear this message about Jesus Christ. They were radical about spreading the gospel. They were radical about winning their world. And in the span of two years, it says all of Asia Heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Not because Paul did it. Not because Paul and Barnabas, these two who were commissioned by, by the church there in Antioch to go and to, to, to go on these missionary journeys. Not because they did it. But they equipped the saints to go and to do this. They equipped the saints to spread the gospel. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What does that power do? What does it equip you to do? It equips you to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. If you have the Holy Ghost, you've been equipped. If you have the Holy Ghost, you have the power. If you have the Holy Ghost, and if you understand... The life that you've lived, you can tell your testimony about what God has done. Amen. What a powerful testimony it was that Brother Michael Bovee shared on Wednesday night of what God is doing in his life and what God, come on, it's, it's powerful to be able to just share your testimony. To share your testimony of, of the greatness of God and to give God glory. And, and, and that is as easy as it can be to just reveal to somebody about who Jesus is. You don't have to, you don't have to be the most biblically literate theologian to reach somebody. We don't want to twist the Bible and, and, you know, get things, get things wrong, but, but 
I can just speak from my own experience about what God has done for me. It's experience, especially in today's society, in this postmodern society that we live in. Experience means a lot. Experience means everything to, to people who say, I just want something that's real. I just want something that works. I've been searching for something. Experience. Tell them your testimony. Share your testimony. Win your worlds. In Acts chapter 17, we see, this is in verse 1, it says, When they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. There was a synagogue of the Jews. And I'm wrapping this up here soon. Paul, as was his custom, went into them and for three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. He was explaining and he was demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and he had to rise again from the dead. He was saying, this Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. Some of them were persuaded. A great multitude of the devout Jews and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. But the Jews who were not persuaded, they became, becoming envious, took some of the evil men from that marketplace. And they, gathering a mob, they set all the city in an uproar. They attacked the house of Jason. They sought to bring them out to the people. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brethren to the rulers of the city. They were crying out, these who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Jason has harbored them. These are all acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying there's another king, Jesus. Those who have turned their world upside down. Don't you just close your eyes right now? What would it look for your world to be turned upside down? Just imagine just for a minute what it looks for you to begin to activate into ministry. Some, it's kind of hard to imagine. Some, it's the things that you've done in the past and you just stopped doing them. It's time to pick it up again. Hear this here today. You have uh, football games that are going to take place. It's NFL football games that will take place and I happened to see uh, some news coverage about this past weekend of football games, and there was one particular quarterback that before the game, they were showing his pregame routine. He was just sitting there on the bench, and he wasn't actively doing anything, but he just had his eyes closed, and he began to process what was about to take place. In his mind, he's kind of running through all of the plays, all of the things that were going to happen here in the next hour, two hours, three hours. Just internalize it. We got to get a plan. He, he already had the plan. He already knew what the mission was. He already knew what they were going to do. He just began to envision himself doing this. 
I think it's time for the church to begin to envision ourselves in a capacity that we are uncomfortable in. Begin to envision ourselves doing things for the work of ministry. Not, not your neighbor, but yourself. But it's not enough just to envision it. He couldn't have won that game had he just continued to sit there on that bench and visualize what was about to take place. He had to get up and get in the game. And so I do think it's beneficial to, first of all, begin to envision ourselves doing the work that God has called us to do. To co-labor with Him. To be in a co-mission with Him. We ought to begin to visualize this. And it's, it's my job. And I hope that, uh, that we can continue to equip you so that you feel comfortable. So that, you, so that you, the, the saints, so that the church can go and that we can win our world. But even now, you have what it takes. Now it's just to go and do it. You have all that you really need, at least to reach one. We all have everything that we need, at least to reach one person. And what would happen if all of us reached one person, and that a year from now, this place on every seat next to you is full? But that part of being a disciple or discipling others is that we understand that we all have that same mission. And so now there's two who are reaching one, and now multiplication begins to happen. It's not just addition, but multiplication begins to happen as those two, they begin to reach, and then those begin to reach, and we see the effects that take place. And it's not all going to be about the seats that end, or the people who end up filling these seats, but it's about those who they come and then they are sent out to go. When they would come into, the, into here, into the house, and then they're sent to go somewhere else. And we as a church begin planting churches in our surrounding region. We as a church begin having house churches all around. Because, come on, this is... just need to throw some seeds out here. See, throw some seeds out. We have surrounding communities right now who they need a church. And you say, well, I drive... 30, 40 minutes to get there. Not everybody will. There was a booming population that is coming into Huntertown. And I know it's just 20 minutes, 25 minutes down the road. They need a church that's planted there. They need somebody to get a burden to say, right here, we need to reach the people right in this community. We as a church need to be a sending church. We as a church need to be apostolic in everything that we do. And we can't be comfortable just coming and gathering in here and worshiping God. Not, it's, it's wonderful to do that. But we as a church need to get a hold of something that is beyond ourselves and begin to win our worlds. You need to understand that you have greatness inside of you. That you have greatness inside of you. That God has called you to do great things. And you say, well, here I am. I'm an engineer or I'm a, you know, I work in a factory or whatever it is. But, but God has called you to greatness. God has called you and equipped you to reach your world. God has called you to do amazing things. God has called you. God has called you. He's equipped you. Now what are we going to do about it? Do we stand all over this place?
Auburn desperately needs a church. LaGrange desperately needs an apostolic church that is reaching in, in there. That, it, Jesus, help us. House churches could come up, begin to gather people into your home, invite them in just to talk about Jesus. There in Oaxaca, Mexico, it started with just nine on a Zoom Bible study. And they may not have a building this Sunday, but they at least have some people who they've been baptized with the Spirit of God. They have in them an experience that they've never experienced before. And in them they say, I must tell somebody about this. I must. I'm going to pull somebody who's just walking by this assembly, just walking by this meeting and bring them in here so that they can experience what I just experienced. Jesus, Jesus, get a hold of us. Jesus, get a hold of us. On every hand lifted up right now. Jesus, let us get the burden for the lost. Jesus. Help us to win our world today. Help us to win our world today, oh God. Oh, I just want to play my part. You want to come to this altar, you're free to come. Oh, God is calling, God is commissioning. There's some plans that are being made. There are some callings that God wants to re reaffirm in you. Well, we're not just a little country church that's just accept, accepting just being here. No, we are a sending center. We are an apostolic church that understands the mission is to be sent out. To go. To preach the gospel. To reach the lost. Now we are your hands and your feet. Oh, help us to go. Oh, we can sing this song. Let's just worship him right now.